Hello, Los Angeles and the rest of the world, and welcome to episode 216 of Defenders of the Bank. I am the self-proclaimed beast from the East, the Gypsy Prince, Christian Philly Philemon. And joining me in the world of Zoom, Zoom, maybe we are actually to blame. Because anytime we go via Zoom, we haven't won. And I'd like you to comment on that after I introduce you. But the man I'm going to introduce <laughs> you to in the world of Zoom is a man who has more LAFC neckwear than anyone in his room. The warlock of wool and the tyrant of threads, J.R. Liebert. The Scarf. What's good, Defenders Nation? Real quick, I am working on my fourth COVID booster and a flu shot today. So this is going to be fun. We'll see. Wait, what so kind you got of- a double whammy? Yeah, we'll see what kind of heffalumps and woozles I see by the end of this episode. This should be lots of fun. Uh, if you look, start seeing it, pink elephants, let me know where you got your shots because I want to go there to get mine. Thank you to the good people at Kaiser. This is my, I guess I've had, what, two COVID vaccines and two boosters now. I was eligible because I've got all kinds of stuff going on. That's always fun for me. And they were like, hey, you want to get the flu shot and make yourself twice as miserable at the same time? And I went, you know what? Why not? That sounds That sounds lovely. Why not? So that being said, uh, hopefully I won't get the flu now. Uh, I had two COVID, three COVID shots and then got COVID. So we'll see how that goes. That was fun. Uh, but look, if Philly, if, if you want to start blaming the defenders of the bank for this recent swoon, this recent slide, I mean, I guess you can blame us for a tie where we played everybody at every position other than the ones that they normally play. Philly is going to get into a really fun starting lineup and 18 for LAFC in this match. I'll, I'll go ahead and say Philly that we can take maybe 25% of the blame. All right. Then we could shift a lot of that blame over to Vince. Cause when we were doing the LAFC 360 show the yesterday, he had mentioned, look, he doesn't believe that this is a must win, but it's certainly a, a not a, uh, it's, it's not a must win, but it's certainly not a, we, we can't lose. And so, I don't know. I think he put that out in the air and that's exactly what happened. We didn't win and we didn't lose. So while it might be 25% mildly on the side of blaming defenders, I can say we throw Vince under the bus for a little bit of that as well. Scarf. Yeah. Look, speaking of the bus, the bus has departed, but we're going to talk about the Teo train taking off in this match as well. That's a lot of fun. I will gladly be the conductor of the Teo train. If why, why a train? Why a train scarf? Why because not it- a tram or a trolley? Why, why a train? I, I feel like a train picks up steam and just keeps on going where maybe a trolley trolley has that cute little bell and like it doesn't really strike fear in the hearts of anything. But if I see a train coming, I'm getting out of the way. Fair enough. But I mean, you can make the same. Well, look, the term Dodgers came from trolley Dodgers, which obviously that had to have been somewhat intimidating for them to name a very famous baseball team after that. Well, they were the ones that decided to put the stadium on the opposite side of all the train tracks and the fans had to hop over across all those train tracks. Uh, but I, I'm going to stick with the Teo train and, uh, okay, believe me, fair enough. as soon as you start scoring goals, you're going to hear some train sound effects on this place too. So that's going to be fun. Sounds good to me, man. And, uh, yeah, we certainly got to see a little bit of Christian Teo today. Uh, yeah, yeah we got, got, got some things to talk about. I, I don't know. Like, I guess like beforehand, like, how are you feeling about all this? Like, I, I kind of, I feel relieved, but in a sense, mildly annoyed. Um, and I'm going to give my synopsis at the end, man, but I, I, we walked away sparing some points, but I really don't feel like we deserved even that. I think we should have lost today based on how we played and some of the instances that did happen. Obviously, football and the football gods have a, a funny way of punishing those. But I don't know. Like, 
How are you feeling? I'm kind of like, I'm kind of meh. So I've got some thoughts for sure on some of this stuff. First and foremost, I think that what we are seeing this late in the season is the cumulative effect of three different things. Number one, the cumulative effect of taking every team's best shot every time out eventually will start to wear on you a little bit. Number two, as I'm sure you will touch on when you get into the starting lineup, this wasn't only our 19th different back line that we have played in 31 matches. This was our 29th yep. different starting 11. Well, you took my thunder away from me. Thank you very much. No problem. Uh, that's something that I think you're looking around at some other teams. And, and this isn't just because of injury. And I think this is the third thing that I want to touch on. We've made a lot of changes relatively late in the season, right? Obviously, we've, we've touched on them several times. One of those changes, in my opinion, has been the most important move that we have made. And I'm going to say this out loud so that people can hear it. The most important move that we have made since signing Carlos Vela is the acquisition of Giorgio Chiellini. Because what I believe Giorgio Chiellini has done for this team has galvanized the back line, has given them a sense of stability. And I don't think that MLS has experienced this too many different times in the course of its 25-plus year history, where you have a player who is beyond world-class at what he does, now doing things in Major League Soccer at such a high level. But, Philly, as we'll talk about, between Buanga and Bale and Teo, and Brian Rodriguez leaving the fold, and and trying to make a lot of these different pieces work, getting Eddie Segura back relatively late in the season, trying to ride the hot hand, no longer having somebody like Mamadou Fall to rely on on the back line because of the way that he's been playing. And now what we're seeing, maybe a little malcontent, discontent, I don't know, upsetness from our superstar of the season, Chicho Arango. I think that what we're seeing is the cumulative effect of the LAFC microscope kind of hitting these boys with three matches left to play on the season. I, I didn't love today's result, Philly, but I definitely thought it could have gone far worse for LAFC at certain times. Yeah, that last sentence was sort of what I was looking for. You pretty much gave a synopsis about the entire game in the season. Might as well just call it a wrap today. <laughs> All right, that's episode 216. You know how we like... Oh, no? Yeah. <laughs> no? Okay. <laughs> no, I, I don't love it, but I don't hate it nearly as much as I think as some others on Facebook likely will in about 20 minutes. Yeah, no, that's, that, that, that's fair. All right, so let's not beat around the bush. Why don't you get into, you know, the stuff you get into, and then I'll get in the stuff that I get into, and then we can move this pot along. Let's get into it together. I love this. Don't forget, everybody, we are very proudly and happily sponsored by Flex Power Tools over at FlexPowerTools.com and FlexPowerNA over on Instagram, by the way. I figured that out because they've got lots of cool things going on with LAFC this week. Uh, make sure you check out FlexPowerTools.com for a lifetime warranty on all tools bought in 2022. Uh, let's seamlessly segue, Philly, into more flex talk. The flex kit, the front, the kit sponsor of flex, Philly, proudly powering both the number one and number three jersey sales in all of MLS. And I've got some thoughts. What about you? Um, I mean, about the number one and the number three in jersey sales. I mean, yeah, 
there's there's not much to think. I mean, we're we're a global brand with international superstardom. Obviously, there's a lot of people that live in the Los Angeles metropolitan area that would normally buy an LAFC jersey, but with a name like Gareth Bale, that's that, that's a that's a global sensation. I mean, you could probably credit a significant portion of those jersey sales to the country of Wales and pro- possibly even the United Kingdom. Uh, I don't know if you're going to get many jersey sales by him in Madrid. People uh, seem to not like Gareth Bale over there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is a global brand. He's a global player. It does not surprise me that his jersey sales are number one, despite not even being here for a full season. Uh, what's also not as surprising is the fact that Carlos Vela is number three. I mean, we got a guy who's been with us since the get-go. Uh, for the most part, I would say anybody buying an LAFC kit, there's a good seven, maybe eight out of ten ch- uh, percentage chance that it's going to be Carlos Vela. You're going to want to go with a player that you know more than likely is going to etch his name in club history. As much as I love my Shaft Brewer Jr. jersey scarf, I only you, did that you, you, you to kind of, you know, appease him because I had a couple of drinks with him and said I'd get his jersey. But other than that, the only jersey that I have numerous ones of in the variations that we've had since 2018 has been Carlos Vela. Why? Because he's our first designated player. Why? Because he's going to be our all-time leading scorer. Why? Because he is a player that has brought us to brought us a lot of joy in our lives. And as a result of today, he continued to do that. So no surprise there. What does surprise me are the amount of Philadelphia Union fans that think there's a conspiracy against them, that somehow we're holding them back. Somehow Major League Soccer is holding them back. I don't know about you, but I don't feel or would ever feel the need to buy a Daniel Gazdog jersey or an Alejandro Bedoya jersey. And I'm not even talking about myself. If Philadelphia Union people are complaining about not having their kits in the top 10, well, then buy your freaking team's jersey. It's as simple <laughs> as that, Philly. You know better, and I'm not talking to myself. Therein lies my thoughts about number one and number three. My my favorite uh, stat on this by far, though, Philly, we played our first match February 26th. That's when, when jersey sales, that's when the, the time period from starting this whole one through 25, top 25 jersey sale was February 26th. Gareth Bale. Officially signed with LAFC July 17th. That's less than 60 days from right now. We are recording this Tuesday, September 3rd, 13th, excuse me, Thursday, September 13th. Less than 60 days. And Gareth Bale already has the number one selling kit in Major League Soccer. That's surprise number one. Surprise number two, Carlos Vela has sold one of the top three or four kits in all of Major League Soccer, I believe, if not number one, in 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, and 2022. And still, Philly, he's placing in the top three. Christian Fuchs, by the way, Fuchs, Fuchs, excuse me, Christian Fuchs, number two in kit sales. That's pretty cool. I mean, there's a lot of people in Charlotte wanting kits, and obviously if... I was living there. That would be one kit that I probably would have would have gotten. Yeah, uh, people, no, I, I would have never it, wanted Shakiri because I'd be afraid if I put it on and get hurt. <laughs> and it makes sense because it's their first year, right? I mean, they're they're kicking things off. They're they're doing great things over there in Charlotte. But anyways, I just love that we have number one and number three. And and weird, there was no mention of Chicharito in the top three. 
That's uh, no, but I mean, he's just he's just just below looking up. He is yeah. number four, so at least you got to credit him there. Uh, Walker Zimmerman, number ten. That's pretty cool. Yeah, much love to Walker. We're gonna get to see him grace uh, Bank of California Stadium in just a couple of short weeks. But going through the top twenty-five, I think my any- boy was twenty-fifth, right? Yeah. Well, I was about to ask: Is there anybody on there who you're happy to see, or anybody on there who just absolutely? disgust you i'm looking at number 18 in that respect (laughs) (laughs) look i'm uh, you guys know that's diego chara by the way right 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 uh you guys know that i am a an unabashed jossie's artist fan yes i was a a a fan of his even when he was with that team down the road he's uh from hawthorne i'm from lawndale right next door so I've always been been following Jossie's artists. And I, I absolutely love to see Insigne on that list as well. We got one of the Italians. But how about this, Philly? Tati Castellanos coming in at number 11. Where might he have been in the jersey sale conversation if he had stuck around through this point in the season? I mean, I think he would have been. I would, he would have been top ten. I mean, he's he's probably my favorite pl- non LAFC player on this list. I, I think the kid's good. Uh, I'm certainly more interested in following his career at Girona. I, I mean, I thought he lit things up. I thought NYCFC got a little lucky for hanging on to him as much as they did. And yeah. we're, we're seeing how much of a valuable asset he is because the minute he bounced, that team went. Down, down, down. Whoa, yep. whoa, whoa. And it, just, <laughs> it hasn't been good. All the all the expectations and pressures have been placed on the young Tyus Magno, and he, he he can't hold, bear the burden of winning at Yankee Stadium like he could when he had Tati around. Yeah. Look, I, I got to give a quick, uh, a quick scolding to uh, all the Nashville fans out there. Why aren't you buying Hani Mukhtar jerseys? That guy is flipping unbelievable. He should not be 17th. Yeah, no Nico kidding. Lo- a freaking league MVP potential. Right? right. No, I'm with you. Jo- Jordan Morris and uh, Nico Lodiero should not be out uh, outselling Honey Mukhtar. But all right, that's I, I don't know. I think we've beat the uh, the jersey. Yeah, that, that that was uh, fun. I'm just a sucker for kids, so I wanted. No, to I believe me. I I know. I, I I love that. That's why I wanted to bring it up and see how you thought about that. Hey, did, did you get your email about the season ticket member gift yet, Philly? Um, no. Yeah, I mean, I don't get it because it's under Panda's name. Ah, so you're never even getting that gift. You're not even going to see it. That's it. Wait, uh, Season ticket members, check your know. email. As apparently our 2022 season ticket member gift is available for pickup, and you can RSVP to pick it up on either of the last two home dates, September 18th or October 9th. So if you haven't That's gotten that email yet, you let, let Panda know that uh, she's got an RSVP for you uh for uh for one of those two days so you can pick up they don't say what it is they just said your gift will be ready well hey who would have thunk this i as one of the co-hosts of the show actually yes. learned something that i did not know throughout the course of this recording that is a first i very much appreciate <laughs> this news panda we need to chat <laughs> <laughs> and uh speaking of uh the 18th philly which is the first of the two days you can rsvp uh, if you haven't checked out the LASC 3252's Instagram, they are going to be having a really cool thing called a Takiza tailgate. It is uh, for the Mauricio Facio Memorial Futsal Court fundraiser. A $20 donation. You guys ready for this? This is unreal. Starting at 11 a.m., all-you-can-eat tacos. Street tacos, quesadillas, asada, pastor, birria, chorizo, pollo, They've got all 
kinds of taquitos. They've got agua fresca, limon, jamaica, horchata, and fresa. Are you kidding me right now? $20? Philly, we get there at like 8.30, 9 o'clock. 11 o'clock. The tailgate starts. The $20 taco wristband. How many tacos are we putting away to raise money for the uh, Mofasio futsal court? That all depends on how uh, the previous night goes, because you and I are going to be working the USA versus Mexico game at Toyota Arena. So if we enjoy ourselves immensely, we're probably going to need as many tacos as we can to calm down the systems. Although, who knows if I will be picking up a glass of anything at that point, because Scarf, come tomorrow... Four weeks without a adult beverage. For me, that's a pretty good mile. That's a pretty big milestone that I haven't hit in Lord knows how long. Dude, that's awesome. By uh, by the time the 18th rolls around, I, and, I'm, and I'm obviously not trying to play a game of one-upsmanship here, but it'll be it'll be 12 weeks. It'll be 12. Since that's... you've had a drop? Oh, you, yeah. you've had a drop. No, because no, you didn't want to do one on your birthday. Uh, that's no, that's that's a lie. I we did do one on my birthday, and I did drink on my birthday. No, 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 not at I, I didn't drink. We didn't do a shot together. We're gonna do a shot together. We didn't do a shot. Well, either way, 12 weeks that's pretty darn good. Four weeks for me. Um, it's interesting. I mean, I haven't had the cravings <laughs> to go out and party as much, but I, I sort of understand what Frank Sinatra said when he mentioned in a in a statement one day that. I feel bad for sober people because the only time they'll ever feel good is when they wake up in the morning. I kind of understand that now, Scarf. However, I I kind of don't completely agree with it. I mean, I like going to the gym and not having to sweat out the the toxins of the weekend. I enjoy getting a good night's rest, which is something I couldn't do while partying. Do I miss having an adult beverage? No, but certain times of the day, not of the day, during the week, I'd think to myself, (laughs) it'd be great to have a glass of scotch right about now. But I don't get that that often. So I'm patting myself on the back. And I have to say, it was you the one who inspired me in in, in the ways of the sobriety. Yeah. Well, look, as soon as I hit my goal weight, you and I are sharing a drink for sure. That's that's something we got to do. I got to hit a goal weight too, man. I got like another like 15 I'd like to drop. There you go. Uh, a quick reminder, if you're not already, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Defenders of the Bank and on Twitter at Defend the Bank. Let's get really quickly into this day in LAFC history. Like I mentioned, we are recording this on September 13th and also occurring on September 13th in 1993. Happy birthday to Buba Lopez. He played one game for LAFC, our backup keeper on the 2018 inaugural team. And that was the one game we lost at home to to Sporting Kansas City in 2018. Which is more than I can say for Quillen Roberts, whose birthday is also on the the, the September 13th. But in 1994, two backup keepers on the 2018 squad with one match played total between them. Philly, remember we, we wondered if Quillen Roberts even existed at some point? The only reason I knew he existed is because Ben Chi had his jersey. And I remember it was the number 94 and it said Roberts. And I went up to him one day during that 2018 season. And I'm like, Ben, who the hell is this? (laughs) That's how I I learned about the mystique of one Quillen Roberts. Yeah, Quillen Roberts, the uh, long and illustrious career in the Canadian Premier League, I believe, after uh, he left LAFC. Uh, Let's get into some quick news and notes. Congratulations to Christopher Jaime who signed an MLS Pro Next contract, the first player to sign for next year's new team. Right now, it's 
one on 11, depending on who Christopher Jaime has next to him. Another massive effort for the LAFC Academy, and Jaime has made 20 appearances with the Las Vegas Lights this season, and he joined the LAFC Academy in 2021. Philly, the MLS Pro Next team kicks off next year. It is competing with USL Championship. They are A lot of these teams are breaking away from USL Championship at the end of this season, and who knows what's going to happen with the Lights. Yeah, it's uh it's a shame you never actually got out to Cashman Field with me to catch a game. It was it was fun. Uh hopefully they they last somewhat going to Cashman Field is um well it's not the first time I've watched a soccer game in a baseball stadium. Let's just put it that way. I did have <laughs> season tickets to NYCFC right. in in 2015, but hang you know chasing a llama around, the $2 shots of tequila Sadly, I was never there for the uh, the money drops, but the Las Vegas Lights put on a fun little show, and their kits were always really cool to collect. So I hope they last through next season and, and live on. But if not, I mean, I get it. <laughs> yeah, look, uh, LAFC rescued them from the brink a couple of years ago, and now they're going off on their own. So we'll see what happens. Uh, let's get into a very quick Las Vegas Lights update. Vegas's next match is on the road at Hartford Athletic, our buddy Lafferty's USL squad. Hey, on Chris September- in the house. September 17th, so good luck to Vegas as their last match was postponed. And for our Angel City Minute, we want to remind you to follow at Angel City Chicks on all your social media platforms. And Philly, what's the one that we really want to encourage them to follow on? YouTubes. YouTubes. That's right. Make sure you follow on the YouTubes. Maria Sanchez got one right before the half for the Houston Dash, but Simone Charlie answered with her first of the season right after the halftime break in Angel City's 1-1 draw with the Dash, and they remain one point out of the playoffs with just a few matches to play. They're going to make it. They're going to make it, absolutely. I completely. It's, it's going to come down to the Red Stars against Angel City right at the end of the season, and it is going to be a thing. It's going to be fun. Philly, it's time to talk about Minnesota. Yay, Minnesota United. In Minnesota, Allianz Field, a place where we have never won. And spoiler alert, that statistic continues to remain true, Scarf. Yeah. Minnesota United, coached by one Adrian Heath. If you go back into the history of this manager's career, <laughs> he was quite quite the player. Uh, Max Bredos reminded me, <laughs> again, about the, the, the aura of one Adrian Heath. Did a lot of great things with Everton. Then he coached in the U.S. for a long time. Orlando being a place heading up to Minnesota. Losing record overall, but still a fiery, fiery individual. He did say something at halftime that I'm going to reiterate that kind of pissed me (laughs) off. So that's why I wanted to bring him up. But Scarf, here's a team that I would say is in a fairly decent place and will more than likely make the playoffs. Sixth place in the West, 13-12-4. There's 7-4-4 at home, away 6-8-1. and one. Not much of a big difference there. Goals 4-44, goals against 43. Yeah, they score and they let in. They, they let them in just as many as they let them out. So that's a story there. But their last five games, well, their last three in particular, and this is what gets frustrating. LAFC seems to allow teams to break their streaks but the last three games scarf they've lost by a combined total of seven to nil they have not scored in over three games losing to portland most recently fc dallas put the shebang bang on them three nil on september the third and then we go all the way back to my birthday month of august august the 31st really salty lake gave them a whoop can of whoop butt as well three nil and they haven't 
won since August the 27th. But prior to that, dude, they did manage to do something that even LAFC has not done this season. And that's beat Austin. That's right. They beat Austin on August the 20th, but they haven't won any games since they lost their player, DeBossi, to a thigh injury. And they've had quite a few players missing in their lineups, and you're going to go over all that momentarily. Yeah, look, they were riding at the time. Look, they we, we draw 1-1, right? So we're gonna, we let the cat out of that bag. When they scored their goal to go up one nothing, that ended an over 320-minute scoreless streak for Minnesota. 320 minutes. And it had That's- to be against us. Yep. And you mentioned Debassi. Also, Frank Gapane would not be available as well in this one. And and look, you and I, Philly, were hoping that Emmanuel Reynoso would pick up. He had, he had that ankle knock, right? Had some stuff going on. He's missed time twice, significant amounts of time twice. Uh, the former Boca Juniors man, Emmanuel Reynoso, the Argentine number 10. Kid's for, really good. He's, I look, Philly, I, the those words i must have said that while i was watching the match today maybe five or six times i i will i I am guilty i'll I'll say this i am guilty of not really watching emmanuel reynoso play all that much i don't get the minnesota united uh local package on my spectrum cable news but you do have espn plus scarf no excuses you're absolutely right let me tell you something he's worth the price of admission man uh, you want to be more infuriated about the lack of service on Kellen Acosta's set pieces. You go ahead and watch Emmanuel Reynoso's set pieces. This guy puts them on a freaking string. He is unreal on these set pieces. I'm sure we're going to get into that a whole ton because Philly and I talked about what we were going to talk about. This kid <laughs> is as good as it gets he is so much fun to watch, Emmanuel Reynoso. Yeah, leads the team in goals with 10, assists with 9. Lord only knows if he was fully healthy, how much he would probably be competing with Hani Mukhtar and, and Sebastian Driussi. I mean, this is a kid who's who's fantastic. He also shares the last, same last name as our good buddy, Jerry. So no relation, <laughs> yes, by the way. Does. No relation, Emmanuel Reynoso, to Jerry Reynoso. But the kid is good, Scarf. The kid is very, very good. I didn't think he would grace the lineup, but... The traveling rock and roll band circus that is LAFC was in town. So if there's any game that Emmanuel Reynoso would have wanted to step up for, it clearly was LAFC. And step up, he certainly did. Yeah, look, we've talked about my uh, favorite USL team. They're in USL League One is the forward Madison Flamingos. And in this match, we would get not one, but two former Madison Flamingos playing for Minnesota United. The first of which is the third keeper on the Canadian men's national team, or as we like to affectionately call them on here, El Maple Tree. Uh, (laughs) Dame St. Clair, the former forward Madison Flamingo, uh, and the MVP of the All-Star game. Oh, wait, that was played in Minnesota. Maybe a little home cook in there, although he did play very well in the All-Star game. Dame St. Clair in goal. The Jamaican international, Kamar Lawrence, along with Brent Coleman. His name is Brent Coleman. Well, we'll talk about him a little bit later. Uh, The New Zealand rugby slash soccer player Michael Boxall on the back line for Minnesota and DJ Taylor on the midfield. They, by the way, they came out in a 4 2 3 1. That's always fun. Kervin Ariaga, Will with one L, Will Trap, the former U.S. men's national team player. 
uh, Will Trapp out there, along with Mender Garcia in the midfield. He had a pretty solid game, I think. Robin Lud, Luis Amaria, who had himself a pretty decent game, and the aforementioned number 10 on the front line, that would be Emmanuel Reynoso. He is very, very good. And in the 18, the other former forward, Madison Flamingo, Abu Don Lottie, as well as their backup keeper who started the first two games of the season and has not seen the pitch since. That would be one Tyler Miller. Yeah, it's a shame we didn't get to see good old Tyler. He would have loved to have stepped up against his old team. It's a shame. We um, say what you want about him. I certainly don't like the uh, the disrespect that he was given when he came back with Minnesota United a, a season after we 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 released him or let him go. Yeah. And uh, if there was anybody that would have a chip on his shoulder for LAFC, it certainly it certainly would be him. Uh, LAFC versus Minnesota United scarf. Look, it's a series that's been giving us problems. Minnesota versus us is two, two, and three. 11 goals for, nine goals allowed. Very, very tight, but we don't win at Allianz. But we did win earlier in the season in May. We whooped them 2-0, courtesy of two late goals by one Ryan Hollingshead in the 83rd and one by Jose Cifuentes in the 90th. So that's pretty good. At least we we, we got one on them there. Yep. Scarf, we should uh, probably talk about LAFC, huh? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, look, uh, this is – I can't wait to hear uh, the lineup on this one because it was different. That's for sure. We knew Philly coming into the game, we may have a problem with our fullbacks. Yeah, yeah. And we came into the game with such high expectations. A win would have clinched the top seed in the Western Conference for us. It would have been glorious. And it also would have shed our bad statistic of not being able to win in Minnesota. The key absences that you should be aware of are Ryan Hollingshead. Why? Well, if you didn't watch the last game, he got a red card. That's why. Chiqui Palacios, yellow card accumulation. Sucks that that we, we call into that eight minutes into the uh, into the FC Dallas game. That sucks. And if you were looking at the bench and wondering intently, where is Mark Dos Santos? He wasn't there either because of a red card. So <laughs> that would be our LAFC absences. And, In addition, Frank, we found Frank, this out a little later. Franco Escobar. Uh, and they they ruled it out as a head injury. Yeah. Now, dare I say, maybe that makes sense, especially with why he was so infuriated at pulling down Marco Farfan on uh, the other day. Yeah, it wasn't but, uh, they, that was not a good look. For no, not a good look. And obviously a questionable in that sense. But no, I, I hope if it's concussion related, I, I, I hope he, he's all right. Obviously, we're going to need him. It shows how thin we, we were now. As far as our starting lineup is concerned, you said it. It's the 29th different starting lineup that we have had this season. We've only had two games in which we've kept a a consistent lineup. That's kind of crazy considering how this season has progressed. So rather than starting out in a 4-3-3, which we normally do, Steve decided to change things up a bit and throw a wrench in the in the game strategy plan for Adrian Heath and Minnesota United. 3-5-2. That's right, 3-5-2, which is something we did run a couple of times last season, but never with Steve Chirondolo. Maxime Cripo, no surprise there. Eddie Segura, Jesus Davermario, and Sebastian Ibiaga are three in our three back there. The five consisting of uh, Kellen Acosta, Ilya Sanchez, Carlos Vela, Latif Blessing, and Denny Buanga. That's our five in the middle. 
And then up top, Chicho Arango and making his second start for LAFC and not having played more than 60 minutes in a game, Gareth Bale. Our subs, John McCarthy, Giorgio Chiellini, Jose Cifuentes, Mahala Quadwo-Poku, Seba Mendez, Christian Teo, and somebody who I know you've been looking forward to seeing. So much. Finally cracked the 18 scarf, Tony Leone. I want to know how bad Julian Gaines's pelvis is if we only dressed seven substitutes, seven guys on the bench. We couldn't get Julian Gaines on an airplane and get him over as a little bit of a assurance if anything happened to any of our defenders, as it is. Philly, we'll talk about a little bit of an emergency defending situation we acquired, we uh, encountered in the 87th minute. But, man, what is it going to take to see the pelvis live and in person on a soccer pitch near you? I don't know. There's only one pelvis scarf, and that man is dead. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but yeah, Rest in Tony peace, Leone, the king. The, uh, t- the, the only one of our three initial homegrown signings, Eric Duenas and Christian Torres, the other two who has not seen official minutes for LAFC. So you're you're absolutely right, Philly. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, not looking forward to seeing Emmanuel Reynoso. And uh, look, normally we go minute by minute on a lot of these things. Uh, we have a theme that that we're, we're talking about here in this entire game, and that's Emmanuel Reynoso on set pieces and corner kicks and free kicks and the dude is a straight assassin. We're not going to go through every single one of those. Just know that every time he touched the ball, it went exactly where he wanted it to. Danger, and he danger. Absolutely damn good at those things. And I want to mention what what sound effect was that? It kind of came in and it's labeled horror scarf. Oh, got it. There you go. Uh, in the 12th minute, I think this kind of started Chicho Arango's day out uh, on, on the wrong foot. And I think, unfortunately, for LAFC Philly and for Steve Chirundolo. It was a little bit of a lack of maturity in this match. And I think it all started in the 12th minute uh, on a play where I was completely flabbergasted that that foul was actually called on Chicho Arango as he tried to go get the ball as Michael Boxall in kind of a, he's a, he's a New Zealander, right? So he's a Kiwi. So He's got that rugby blood in him. God knows the All Blacks for New Zealand are the most intimidating sports team on the planet. It looked like he was trying to try out for one of the spots on the All Blacks, this knee to Chicho. <laughs> he hockered him. He absolutely did. And then Chicho gets up and the referee says, no, that's a foul on you. Chicho had a right to be pissed at that one. He certainly did have a right to be pissed off at that one. And there are a lot of instant. There are a lot of occurrences that made him lose his cool. Although four minutes after that happened, he did catch a really nice pass from Gareth Bale. He did have a crack at Dane Sinclair, but he didn't have enough power to it. So Chicho did have a couple of attempts. But yes, I would agree with you that this was a very pivotal moment in the match for him because it pretty much set him on course to end up where he would at halftime, which was on the Pine Pony. Yeah, he uh, he definitely deserved it, as we'll get to in just a minute. In the 21st, LAFC just flat out got caught, Philly. A beautiful ball up the right side for Minnesota, and Amaria can't settle the ball enough right before he makes the touch and absolutely bangs it off the woodwork. But Philly, what, two-thirds of the goal was left exposed 
on that one. I mean, I thought that was a goal for sure. We're lucky Reynoso's shot got deflected for a corner. Nothing happened there. But but Philly, it should have been one nothing after 21 minutes. Without a doubt. When I mentioned the fact that I didn't think we deserved to win this, uh, to walk away with with a tie, I, I would go back to this 20, 21st minute and, and tell you this is why it shouldn't have happened. It just so happens that Luis Amaria has a little bit of that uh, Kevin Cabral syndrome. <laughs> it's kind of funny. The, I was listening to MLS Extra Time. It is the other podcast I listen to in this space. And that is exactly what they referred to Amaria as, is having bouts of Kevin Cabral-esque syndrome. Um, I'm not paraphrasing it correctly, but he misses. But he doesn't miss all the time because he is the second leading scorer on this team. But we certainly got lucky there. Look, four minutes later, Taylor had another really good ball in Amaria, and he tried for his redemption song, but his header goes right into the hands of Maxime Crepeau. So Luis Amaria knocking on that door. Great passing by Garcia earlier on, and then obviously Taylor. I would say up to this point, Minnesota was certainly distributing the ball much more efficiently than LAFC was. I felt like we were turning the ball over. They were both going at like a thoroughbred race pace, but as frenetic as it was, Minnesota certainly came out a lot harder and they were a lot crisper with their passing. Giggity. Uh, In the (laughs) 27th minute, this has nothing to do with anything other than, oh my God, Latif Blessing just flattened Will Trap. Let Let me say that again. Latif Blessing flattened will trap go back and rewatch the game 27th minute latif times his jump perfectly gets his head onto the ball and all five foot three or five foot four latif skies in the air and will didn't see it coming and caught a shoulder right to the side of the dome and down goes will with one l trap latif blessing i love you man 140 plus appearances in black and gold and that may be my favorite thing you've done all year, partially because you haven't scored. But either way, Latif Blessing flattens Will Trap, 27th minute. I'll get out of the way. Philly's going to talk about GJ. Uh, well, before I even do that, Scarf, Latif did another really good thing around the 33rd minute. He had a yes. brilliant pass yes, he did. connecting with Carlos Vela. That was pretty cool. I would say that's the second best thing he did in the game up to that point. Carlos tried to chip it over Dane St. Clair, but totally off target. Carlos, as good as he is, that was a tough attempt, a tough shot to make. Very few people could make a shot like that on anybody in this league. Uh, But that was a difficult one. But I got to credit Latif Blessing with a great pass. He's certainly stepped up his game these past couple of appearances, Scarf. I've been a lot happier with the way Latif has been playing as compared to how he was earlier in the season. Now, And and Philly, I want to mention one of the things that I love. um, We... You and I have had the pleasure of kind of getting to know and meet several times uh, and, and chat with uh, Warren Barton, who was the uh, the co-anchor, the co-host, the play-by-play guy, uh, actually the color guy, I guess I should say, uh, for this match. The color alongside- commentator, Scar. <laughs> yeah, color commentator alongside Max Bredos. And one of the things that I love more than anything listening to Warren Barton is the high standard that he holds Gareth Bale to. Oh yeah. I felt like he kept talking about Garrett. They're like, oh, we just need a touch more quality. We need a little bit more of this, a little bit more of that. And, and it just reminded me of, you know, right before Latif with that beautiful ball to Vela, you got that that ball where Gareth Bale just couldn't get on the end of it from Carlos, man. And and I'm just thinking, God, if this is Gareth Bale from like a year or two ago, not only does he get on the other end of it, he hammers it home for a goal, but oh man. 
Uh, let's get back on the Chicho Arango frustration train, shall we, Philly? Let's yeah. go to the thirty. 30- the 34th minute, Chicho with a bad foul behind the play as Minnesota trying to clear the ball. You could really tell Chicho was getting frustrated, and it took him just two more minutes, Philly, to grab that yellow on a challenge where it looked like he really missed most of the ball and got all of Emmanuel Reynoso. Yeah, that's where the problem started, but what was scary was what? Like a, like seconds later, he had another instance where where he, he yep. got called for a foul. So yep. in, in, in Quick succession, Chicho Arango starting to catch the ire of of the refs, and now that's a dangerous position to be in. Obviously, you're gonna you're gonna take advantage of that if you're Adrian Heath in Minnesota. I mean, that's the top score on LAFC. You're gonna want him out of the game, but Chicho certainly wasn't happy. But I don't blame him. I mean, going back to that instance where he collided with Michael Boxall, I'd have been a little pissed off about that too. But that yellow card certainly set him off on a not so pleasant path throughout this game uh let's just jump really quickly to the 39th minute yeah great ball movement superb ball movement by minnesota united lawrence to mendez nice back heel by amari again and we're lucky that reynoso misses but it just comes off of max now the ref did not see that that should have been a corner for minnesota united but we certainly dodged some more bullets there we dodged the bullet in the 21st minute. We dodged it in the 39th. Amaria set this play up lovely. Um, but, you know, <laughs> what was funny about that play, Scarf, is our very own, even though Max Crepeau caught it, our very own Max Bredos thought it was the goal. He had the goal call. And oh, then yeah. he realized, oh, poop. He went into the side of the netting. And boy, what a sigh of relief that was. Billy, I was actually watching the Spanish broadcast of this on my phone on my way home from work. And the two Spanish announcers, they were yelling, golazo, 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 golazo. They thought it was a goal. And thank goodness that Emmanuel Reynoso was intent on using his left foot instead of trying to square around it with his right. It absolutely should have been one nothing, if not 2 nothing, at this point. Philly, tell me, in the 41st minute, now I know this is a family-friendly podcast, but in the 41st minute, when Chicho boots that ball after play had clearly stopped, how sure were you that that was Chicho's second yellow card for that stupid play? At first, I didn't. At first, I missed it. So I guess what happened was, and correct me if I'm wrong, he got called off, and so he just he just booted it. Everybody around him was screaming for bloody murder. The referee and we we talk as much as we do about the pretty rancid officiating uh, pro referee. That's the acronym. Yep. But I, I gotta I gotta credit this ref in particular. Like he he tried to settle down Chicho if it was. The gentleman from the previous match, Mr. Freeman, we would have had, I mean, Chicho probably would have gotten sent off 10 minutes prior. We got lucky on this. Really, really, really lucky. So Chicho manages to stay in the game. And two minutes later, he nearly got some revenge. Great pass from Carlos Vela. It was a great run by Gareth Bale on the other side, but he connects with Chicho. Uh, Chicho heads it and just misses. That was a play in which he normally would convert. You'd have to wonder if him falling off of his mental game had any impact on him missing that shot or or just catching it with the wrong angle. I, I don't know. I'm not a professional athlete. You know that too. But he certainly had his opportunity to score. But nothing came as a result of that. But sadly, just before we go into the half, we get our first punch to the face. Yeah, off another corner by Emmanuel Reynoso. This guy is so good at corner kicks. Uh, Brent 
Kalman. Brent Kalman. Well, you, what are you? You making his name sound like the Delaware of names? Because he was the Delaware of players. Even even Warren Barton said this is not the guy you would have written down if you would have tried to pick a scorer for this match. Brent Kalman maybe using the back of Chicho Arango's head, by the way, as he comes up off of the ground and heads it away beautifully over the top of a jumping Carlos Vela, I believe, on the back line as Maxime Cropo couldn't quite get to the near post. It, it, You saw it, Philly, time and time again. And this brings us to halftime, by the way. Uh, you saw it time and time again, Philly. Every single set piece for Minnesota, every single set piece was dangerous because of number 10, Emmanuel Reynoso's placement. Yep, the kid's good. And look, Coleman had, it was it was set up beautifully. But if you look, he had, he was double teamed. He just happened to be a lot bigger than everybody else. There really wasn't much that could have been done the minute that that ball floated in the air. It was set up. Nobody could have set that up more beautifully than Reynoso on that team. And as a result, the guy who doesn't get many goals, I think this might have been his second of the season. Coleman yeah. capitalizes, and now the Loons are up one to nothing. And I, the, the part that gets me, it just just so deflating. Again, you you fight for almost an entire half, and then just to get kicked in the junk at this point of the game, it sucks. But what sucks even more is this is their first goal in three and a half games. Three and a half games. Once again, LAFC manages to allow a team to creep in the door and ah, going into the locker room, very, very frustrating. Our stats scarf, the team, the, the game was pretty consistent and pretty well-rounded on both sides. Shots, 6-4 to four, Minnesota United, on target 2-1. to one. Uh, We maintained a little bit more possession, but the difference maker is they had three more corners to R2, and as a result of that extra corner, hey, there's your goal right there, so... Boom, one nothing. We head into the locker room, and uh, let's uh, hashtag kick childhood cancer, by the way. It was a really good halftime segment that Mark Rogandino mentioned on the broadcast. Yeah. I didn't know this, but uh, a couple of previous, the last home match, I believe, when our boys were wearing those kick childhood cancer kits. Yep. On the back, and I, if you mention this, forgive me, I, I might have dozed off. I, or something. I did not. I did not. Okay, so on the back of the kick childhood cancer warm up tops that the team had in their last me- match, they had the name of of of, of a child with cancer. And then it, the video showed each player as they were walking into the locker room. So Maxime Cripo, for example, would walk in and he had a little girl's name by Lillian and he had sort of like a bio fact sheet about her. So you could see the boys reading and you could tell that it impacted them. I mean, childhood, I mean, this is something that you feel very strongly about. It's just the world's such an unfair place for any children to have to deal with, with cancer. It's just for anybody to deal with cancer for that matter. But I mean, children in particular with having not lived a life, I mean, it just it, it kills me, but it was really nice seeing that halftime segment. Very well done and produced by Mark Rogandino and everybody over at, at K-Cop. And it certainly brought a tear to my eye. Yeah, look, I, I I mean, I've been a teacher now. This is my 19th or 20th year. I have to go back and look. I don't Damn, know you're anymore. old. I know, right? Um, I, I have unfortunately taught several kids that are going through battles of their own with this exact thing. And, and it just breaks your heart every single time, because like you mentioned, it's one thing if us as adults who, who, you know, have a much better idea of how to fight these kind of things, at least mentally, hopefully our makeup is a little bit better, but you know what, maybe that's what makes these kids so strong, right? They, all they know is to fight then at that point. And that's why they are such incredible people. Oh my God. 
I actually started crying during the uh, the the broadcast uh, because I wasn't in my seat for the Falcon flight last match, last home match. They showed um, that at halftime too, bud. Yeah, that that's what I'm saying. I, I started. I I didn't realize the there were two two young girls. One uh, they were sisters. Yep. And the young girl who was the Falconer, she had had her bout with cancer, and they said uh, we want to give a shout out to her sister who was her donor. So she was able to fight this cancer who is now going through a cancer battle Ugh, of her yeah. own. And I, dude, I choked up, man. I I have to say that I, I am, and it's not by the way, just major league soccer, right? We saw this throughout the NFL this week as well. They're doing quite a bit to honor. Uh, I think it's They call it the crucial catch program, something like that. Childhood cancer as well. Yeah. That stuff's NFL. pretty cool. All proceeds go to go, to to the cancer foundation, the NFL yep. doesn't profit any of it. I mean, I yep. love buying those crucial catch hats. I think they're so they're so well done, and I obviously appreciate what they stand for and what the uh, the intent yep. is. And and same thing with the uh, with the warm up kits. You can get them. Look for everybody who's kind of pissed off. Oh, they're galaxy colors. You're not wrong. Take a deep breath, and then on the front of it, read those three words: kick childhood cancer. And all of a sudden, you should be like, you know what? Yeah, you're right. I should buy one of those kits. It's how I donate. But there is one other way to donate, just in case. Uh, uh, in addition to buying the twenty dollar wristband and having all you can eat tacos uh, at the tailgate on the eighteenth, at the tailgate on the eighteenth. I'm going to be doing an LAFC card sale. Card sales from 2018, 19, 20, 21, and 22. Anybody in an LAFC uniform the Tops has ever made a card of. Plus, I'll have a bunch of cards from their pre and or even post LAFC days for a lot of these players. Every single person who makes a purchase is going to get entered to win a couple of sets of flex tools and also entered to win a signed Chicho Arango jersey. So everybody who makes a purchase from the LAFC card sale and all the money, by the way, 100% of that money will be donated directly to the Mofacio uh, futsal field, uh, the fundraiser that's going on. Everybody who enters, uh, you can donate uh, for that. So in addition to raising money for kick childhood cancer, obviously we're raising money for the Mofacio futsal field. Um, just all kinds of different great things that we can raise money for right now, but especially the kick childhood cancer fundraiser and Mofacio's field with that Philly, let's get into the second wait, wait, half. Real, real, real quick, real quick before we yes, get into sir. the second. Oh half, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You have thoughts on Adrian Heath. Oh, well, 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 thanks for reminding me. That's not what I wanted to say, but just had a quick question I wanted to ask you yeah. in regards to your cards. Yes. What is the most obscure LAFC card that was printed in 2018? We mentioned a couple of names earlier on on this day in LAFC history. Yeah. Can one buy a Buba Lopez or a Quillen Roberts card? And if so, not, what is the most obscure card of a player that rarely saw action in that 2018 season that you have a card of? All right. So so there's there's one that comes to mind really quickly because there were two sets made in 2018 that have cards of LAFC players. The first of which is Stadium Club. And Stadium Club has always been known for its photography, incredible photos. I believe there were five, no, maybe six LAFC players in that set. The six players in that set, Carlos Vela, Diego Rossi, Joao Moutinho with a rookie card. He was the number one overall pick in the draft that year. Benny Failhaber, Marco Ureña, and Lee Wynn. Those are the, the six players. None of them really a surprise, right? No. 
And then you go to the 2018 tops set. And by the way, every single photo from the 2018 top set is actually a Photoshop photo. None of them. And I found this online. If you go way back on my Instagram at uh, LAFC underscore the scarf. Way you don't post, so that's not going to be an arduous task. That's true. Uh, I have found all of the photos that LAFC uh, had their jersey Photoshopped on top of. You could get two autograph cards of LAFC players, the first of which, Philly, was our first captain, Laurent Simon, the the general on the back line. Makes sense that they had a Laurent Simon autograph and that he was one of the bigger names that LAFC had on the team at the time. And if you collect like I do, you know that Topps also had autographs of him in 2016 or 17 as well. So they had some stickers lying around. The second autograph card, Philly, that you could get from LAFC is none other than the immortal Scotsman himself, Callum Callum Malice. Malice. Oh, my gosh. Callum Malice has an autograph card in 2018 tops, and that has to be the the biggest weight. Who? What? Uh Um, I don't don't know this one uh, of all the cards that I think they have made. Yeah, he he's coaching at Loyola in Chicago if I'm not right now, if I'm not mistaken. I, I believe you are correct. Yeah, there's and here's a bummer out there, guys. There has never been a Fito Zelaya card, in case you were looking for one of those. Never been a Fito card made out there. I know you guys are all looking for Fito Zelaya cards. Uh there's a lot of the other names that you would think, oh man, these guys should all have cards. You're absolutely right. But they don't. They don't. Tops puts out maybe nine or ten different guys every single year. And uh, and they don't do a very good job of picking uh, who they would be. Although this year, Philly, we get the Chicho Arango rookie card in 2022. So Excellent. And speaking yeah. of Chicho, let's get into that second half. All right. There you go. I popped wait, up. Wait, wait. Adrian Heath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm leading. I'm, I'm, I'm seamlessly transitioning, my man. I'll shut up. All right. So I propped him up earlier on before we started getting into the game recap about how good of a player Adrian Heath was during his Everton days. And believe you me, he actually won trophies with Everton. Crazy considering where Everton is these days, but he was actually (laughs) a successful player at Everton. Yeah, he, won I had two, no problem. he won two first division titles, right? Yes, because that was the that was before the Premier League right. uh, started, which, by right. the way, if, in case you didn't know this, the Premier League is not that old. It's uh, I mean, we're talking what 92, 93 is essentially the inaugural year. So yep. Premier League is not that old. It was uh, whatever they call it. Division one. It doesn't matter. But he was a player at Everton and he was quite good. But screw him. And I'll tell you why. At halftime, he was interviewed, and Adrian Heath said he didn't understand why Chicho Arango didn't get a second yellow prior to the half. And then he goes on saying, he said it's because it's LAFC and they get different rules. Really? Really, jerk? I can't use the word I wanted to. Really? If that was the case, then we wouldn't have had Ryan Hollingshead get a red card in the 13th minute. We wouldn't have had so many issues in that FC Dallas game. You really think we get a different set of rules? Clearly, you didn't do your homework, and clearly, you did not watch that FC Dallas game because we got no love from the referees. So I just thought that was a very heated, idiotic comment. And it's funny, Steve touched on that. Well, not he did, but he was asked about that after the game in the press conference. I want to allude to that afterwards, but what a jerk. He doesn't understand why Chicho didn't get a second yellow because it's LAFC and they get a different set of rules. Piss off, pal. (laughs) I, I would like to say I agree with the first part of his statement. I didn't understand why Chicho didn't get a second yellow either, but I was happy he didn't. 
That being said, we also lost the appeal on the red card, by the way. Oh, yes, so yes. We're we definitely not getting special treatment. A player who did get a little bit of special treatment, though, Philly, is your boy Chicho. Yeah, well, Scarf, uh, real quick, real quick. It's yeah. There's listeners on our podcast that are fairly new to this sport and fairly new to this world. And yeah. out of respect, I know they wouldn't want to ask us in a public forum. Why don't you explain really quickly what, what you meant by Ryan Hollingshead getting his red card den- appeal denied? Why don't you go into that real quick? Yeah, sure. So Hollingshead picked up the red card for a denial of an obvious goal-scoring opportunity in the last match. Uh, And so what LAFC is able to do is you're able to challenge, you're able to appeal that red card. And the reason why that appeal is so important is that if you get a red card in a match, you are then suspended for the following match. And so LAFC thought, and I believe rightfully so, that not only did Ryan Hollingshead not deserve the red card, that the referee actually acted inappropriately in issuing the red card after the VAR because by law, I believe, in the laws of the game, if there is a foul inside that box, which would be a denial of a goal-scoring opportunity, then it has to be a straight red issued immediately. It would never have been a yellow in the first place. So they were, they were kind of fighting on a bunch of different fronts there to get that Ryan Hollingshead red card rescinded. And by the way, red card rescinded is playing the Troubadour tomorrow night. But I just really felt like LAFC absolutely had a case for this one. And obviously, if we win the appeal, LAFC didn't travel back to Los Angeles and then back again to Minnesota, having just three days in between the games. Everybody stayed together. So Ryan Holling said, theoretically, was watching that in some downtown Minnesota hotel rather than being on that sideline tonight, being on the pitch. I, I thought it was absolutely ridiculous that we didn't get that red card rescinded and we weren't able to use Ryan Hollingshead in this match. Yeah, so so suck it, Adrian Heath. What what rules that are only for positive or only pro LAFC? There's another example of it. So piss off. I'm with you. I, starting the second half though. And this this absolutely made sense. There's going to be people out there questioning it, but it absolutely made sense as to why Steve Trondolo took Chicho out. Chicho was playing a pretty good game, but he was getting a little bit more, uh, he was being a little more problematic than uh, being a solutions provider like he normally is. And him operating on a yellow, again, Minnesota United could have easily had taken advantage of that and could have embellished any single tackle that he would have been a part of and already riding on a yellow card and having already tested the patience of the refs who really did let him get away with, with murder to a certain extent it would have been an even bigger disadvantage for Chicho to get shown another yellow card and then have to sit out the next game at home. And I know with all of us going to Bank of California stadiums and the millions and millions of defenders of the bank and LAFC fans watching at home and around the world, you would have wanted to see Chicho grace the bank with his presence. So this was a smart move and it was good to see Jose Cifuentes coming into the match in the second half. Yeah, look, Philly, I also I'm a little bummed, right? Because the way Chicho was playing, uh, road is where the road is where Chicho go, comes to feast, right? If he scored a goal in today's match, he'd be double digits goal scored on the road. So a bummer that Chicho couldn't get it together. Uh, Abu Don Lottie also coming in. I had mentioned him as being a former forward Madison Flamingo coming in at half for Minnesota. And it takes him just seven minutes to get a pretty egregious foul on Latif turned into a yellow card in the 52nd minute. So he's only played 
Seven minutes in this match, you subbed him in at the half. He's already gotten a yellow. And I thought, huh, that could be interesting. Maybe this is a player that we can attack now that he is so early on a yellow. And attack him, we certainly did. I, I also thought one other interesting thing. Look, you mentioned it, Philly. A lot of players playing out of position in this match. But our wingbacks really had to play well in this match. I, I think the one drawback of it all was that Minnesota knew from the drop that Eddie Segura, who was kind of playing on the outside in that uh, more, more of like a cheeky Palacios role uh, there, that he was like no threat offensively, unfortunately, which was kind of a bummer uh, that basically we were, it was almost like having Deion Sanders on the one side back in the day when he was covering wide receivers where you just didn't even look that way. Minnesota wasn't even giving LAFC the time of day on that one side. They were pushing people back into the box. I thought that happened a couple of times. Uh, that was a bummer. Uh, a nice little run by Denny Bawanga in the 55th, Philly, as he got in the side netting there. Really had no angle. Dane St. Clair was there. Um, and that being said, I thought LAFC had a really solid run of play, Philly, after that yellow card all the way up until, uh, until dare I say, the Teo train pulls out of the station for the first time. That's fair. Just not really wanting to go to too much, but there were a couple instances where Danny and Vela were trying to connect yeah. with each other. Vela yeah. trying to feed Buanga. Just um, th that chemistry isn't there yet. I mean, you can see it. Carlos is obviously a great facilitator and a great passer. He's also our leading assist guy with 12 on the season. But there were a couple instances in which he was trying to feed Danny and just they weren't on the same page. So that was a little frustrating to watch, but you would hope that they get that chemistry together uh, before October. So that's just a couple of other things that I did notice. But yes, in that 62nd minute, we did see Teo subbing in for Danny Buanga and we did see Mahala coming in for Gareth Bale. Now, one interesting thing that we learned about Teo. Yeah, is this is cool. The number 37. Now, yeah. that was a weird arbitrary number. And we all felt what we felt when Denny Buanga was given number 99. The original owner of that jersey was very near and dear to our hearts, provided us a lot of tremendous memories, in particular that Galaxy game in the playoffs. I will never forget that for as long as I live. Yep. But nobody's ever worn 37. But we found out exactly why Christian Teo wanted the number 37. And that's because that was the number he was given when he started at Barcelona. And his reasoning for taking number 37 is, hey, he wanted a fresh start. So he goes back to the number that he was given when he started his career at Barca. By the way, La Masia Academy, he was there along with Ilya Sanchez, our midfielder. Yeah. But I thought that was a pretty cool reason as to why Teo selected number 37. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. I, that was something that I didn't know until they were talking about it on the broadcast, which was pretty cool. Uh, we we've never we've never. I had thought you were watching it in Spanish. How'd you pick that out? I, I got home finally, so uh, I got <laughs> home after halftime, and uh, I, it took me about an hour to get home from work, which was lovely. Um, uh, just in case you're curious, uh, we've never had a 34, 35, 36, 38, or 39 either in LAFC history. So 37 kind of what? smacked. Who in comes into mind when you think of number 39? When I think of number 39, you're not going to think who I'm thinking. And if you do, then, Oh my Lord, I Philly, I have no idea who you're talking about with number 39. 
Rick DiPietro. <laughs> oh, God. The Islanders goalie? <laughs> yeah. Lord. So, sorry, you just said the number 39 and boom, I just thought of DiPietro. Yeah, no, I, I actually don't even have an athlete that I can think of that wears number 39, but you did not make many Islanders fans very happy by saying that. Both of them that listened might have turned this off by now. Both of them? I didn't even realize there was anyone other than me. I'm just assuming there might be one or two others. In the 64th minute, Philly, I have been screaming at the television for Carlos Vela to take a shot every once in a while from outside the box. Carlos Vela took a shot from outside the box. Uh, the only thing I could think of is the, uh, you know, these, these English broadcasters, it's an absolute cracker of a shot from Carlos Vela. I mean, Philly, it was a lightning bolt from the heavens, the left foot of God, Carlos Vela, Back on the score sheet in I don't know how long. Oh, wait, I do. It's been seven games since Carlos Vela has scored. And, and Philly, you and I both follow a great account called OptaJack, where they do a lot of different stats and breakdowns and everything else. The goal that Carlos Vela scored was Carlos Vela's first open play goal from outside the box in MLS play since October of 2019. First one from outside the box in open play since 2019. Thank you, Captain, for the goal. Yep. We got to credit Kellen Acosta for making the pass. But we finally get some vintage Vela. What an amazing goal. You said it, ninth of the season. Dane St. Clair had no shot in hell at making that save. And Panda and I, we were watching at home. We didn't make it out to any watch parties. Obviously, 5 o'clock games on a Tuesday are a pain in the neck. Let's, oh. uh, let's not do that anymore, MLS. But regardless of how many stars you bring to LAFC... Bring all the Gareth Bales, the Denny Buangas, the Christian Teos, the Giorgio Chiellinis, the true star, uncontested, undisputed, is Carlos Vela. That was a rock star, world-class goal that should no doubt result in a goal of the week. It was incredible. From just outside the box, he absolutely made Dane St. Clair do his calisthenics on that one. Thank God this game is now tied because we certainly could have been down by a lot more than that. One-to-one, amen, baby. Let's go. Yeah, and I definitely thought Minnesota started to fall apart after that goal because just two minutes later, Philly, and look, I get it. I get it. Turnabout is fair play. We got lucky that Chicho Arango didn't get his second yellow. Well, Minnesota got lucky. After being hit hard from behind, Abu Don Lottie, who, I mean, that arm looked like it was out on that header. And, and I really thought Abu could have gotten a second yellow after he left uh, left his feet and went into the back of, was it, I believe it was Carlos Vela, wasn't no, it? No, no, where he, uh, the 66, he fouled Ilya Sanchez. No, it was Ilya. That's right. It was Ilya. Excuse me. Uh, but I'll say this. Adrian Heath is not one to tempt fate. He subbed him on just 19 minutes earlier and subs him off in the 66th minute. A real intriguing substitute, by the way, Jonathan Gonzalez, who we're not going to go over because not a lot of people will care about a guy in Minnesota who has a chance to play for both uh, Team USA and Mexico. But that being said, both teams now, Philly, dodging the red card bullet. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And then just a couple of instances. That would be the only goal that we would see throughout the rest of this game. 69th minute, you had Mahala making some moves, deflected off a box all. But here's my problem. Why I'm bringing this up is if you go back to watch that replay, he, for whatever reason, pulled back. And as yeah. a result of him pulling back, that's when Boxall managed to get the deflection. He had a really, really good run in into the box. And from what he'd been doing all season long, he never stopped and he would never have a problem just taking it. The fact that he hesitated for a slight bit allowed that play to be broken up. He should have just gone for it. So I just I wanted to highlight that because that could have been a, a much better play than what it turned out to be. Um, 75th minute, Minnesota United on a counter. But with, thankfully, Kellen Acosta got in the way of Luisa Maria. It should have been an LAFC ball, but nevertheless, it was a corner for the Loons. And any time you're going to have Emmanuel Reynoso taking a, taking a piece from the corner, that's that's going to scare you. But from then on, we had a couple of really good defensive plays. Eddie Segura made some really good plays. Murray made some really good plays. I know you're going to bring up one by one of our new subs coming in, but really not a whole lot going on. Uh, in the seventies, do you have anything you want to highlight in the eighties? I apparently I was drunk when I was talking about Abu Donladi sub, by the way, because it was not Jonathan Gonzalez that came in for Abu Donladi. He came into the game a little bit earlier. I want to correct myself there. I keep thinking of what's that show around the horn where they used to do the, no, it's not around the horn. Uh, Oh, uh, PTI, right. Where they used to have Tony. Yeah. Yeah, they excuse me. <laughs> Sorry, am I keeping you awake over there? Yeah, um, it's only 1020, so it's it's not that late at night. No, we're doing okay. But I, I wanted to correct myself before Tony Reale came and corrected me on that one. It was Jonathan Gonzalez in for Mender Garcia. No, look, uh, I thought that there was one dangerous corner by by cross, excuse me, uh by Vela, which led to a corner. And Carlos, I, I love when Carlos Vela takes those corner kicks right now instead of Kellen Acosta. That being said. Not a whole lot going on in the 80th, uh, in the 80s, uh, other than the old man getting off the bench has to uh, has to get the oil can out to lube up the joints a little bit. In the 87th minute, it it really looked like Eddie Segura was hurting out there. He had a he had a cramping issue maybe on his side. He was down and was cramping in his legs. And this is a team, by the way, that's looking to generate maybe a goal here at the death, so that we could walk out of Minnesota with our first three points ever. But that wasn't uh, a case of stalling by Eddie Segura. He was just dead tired. I think everything that maybe happened after Eddie Segura had to come out and Chiellini comes in on the back line, they mentioned he was there for emergencies. And you know what they did, Philly? They broke the glass in case of emergency and out pops Giorgio Chiellini. I love this man, Giorgio Chiellini. Uh, You got Reynoso picking up a yellow in the 88th minute. And if we were on Minnesota United podcast, that would be a huge moment in the 88th minute, I don't know why he wasn't subbed out earlier by Adrian Heath, probably because he was going for the must-win three points that they needed. But now, if you do have the Minnesota United local TV package, Philly, in your next match for Minnesota... It's called the ESPN not, Plus scarf. Yeah, whatever. You will not <laughs> be seeing Emmanuel Reynoso because he has five yellow cards. That is correct. <laughs> and actually, that's kind of unfortunate. Coming back from an ankle injury only to get that yellow card, and then poof, yeah. that's what happens. So, yes, yep. Giorgio Chiellini coming in. There was a moment of scare. There was a moment of fear with Eddie, but at least he walked off, so that that was fine. Um, that yellow card was a frustration foul on Amaria. It's because oh, sure. why? Mahala stripped him. He picked his pocket. He embarrassed him. He uh, he, he did everything he could to... to it was just great. Mahala played, made a really nice play on that. It was uh, great. 
couple minutes later, we had Christian Teo making yeah. a really, really good defensive play yep. as a forward. And he came all the way from one end of the pitch to the other to make a great defensive play. That speaks volumes about his character and his ability and his level of play. There wasn't really too much to go on within his first couple of minutes, but that to me was the one play that stood out. A couple other, again, defensive, great defensive stops by Murray. And in my notes, I put at this point, passing hasn't been great today, despite the accuracy rating, lots of careless telegraph passes. And then in the 90th plus four, Kellen Acosta did have a bad cross, but he totally redeemed himself because there was a play where that ball was going and Maxime Crepeau pulled, nearly pulled a Tyler Miller uh, coming out of his box, letting the ball jump well over. I think it was, uh, it was Reynoso that would have had the attempt, but oh yeah. Kellen Acosta made up for that bad cross and he made and he stopped that play. Maxime Crepeau, wherever you are, as JR would say, we know you're a big fan of the pod. You listen to us all the time. Nothing but love to you there. You owe Kellen Acosta whatever in the heck he wants because he saved your butt, man. If it wasn't for him being there, that would have been two to one, and that would have been. We would all have been screaming bloody murder at that point. I have I no mean, doubts. I would have gone to Twitter and started shouting out obscenities, and you know I never do that. That would have been a horrific way to end this game. But Kellen Acosta, thank you so much, and um, I would say you can bug Maxime Crepo for whatever you want this week. Yeah, look, I, I thought maybe Maxime looked over and saw Tyler Miller and wanted to make the LAFC supporters that have been following this club since 2018 feel right at home, going on walkabout for a minute there for no reason whatsoever. How about Philly? Just one minute later, right before the final whistle, Jonathan Gonzalez with a header just wide after a beautiful cross in by DJ Taylor. So we had kind of exhaled after Kellen Acosta makes that beautiful save uh, on uh, on uh, Emmanuel Reynoso. And then, I mean, shoot, right at the final whistle, they almost put one away. That ball goes wide. Luckily, the referee blows his final whistle. And, and I've got to say it. I'll say it again. As many players that were playing out of position today, as many players that were playing in roles that they were not comfortable in, as many times as we saw players like, we mentioned Christian Teo, Carlos Vela, defenders uh, being made out of our offensive three, our front three, where they were tracking all the way back. Carlos was getting into the box several times. Carlos was helping out back on defense. The same same thing could be said for Christian Teo there. Denny Bowanga with multiple, multiple steals and takeaways in the middle of the park that I thought was really, really important. What we are getting from designated player and designated player caliber frontline players to buy in wholesale on the defensive effort, Philly, I thought that was one of the stories of the match. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we played a much better second half, but we shifted formations. I mean, we started the game out within that 3-5-2. Then we went back to, oh, reliable, Scarf. Oh, reliable, like they used to say back in the day. 4-3-3. And as a result of that, we obviously played a much, much better game, a much, much better half. And Carlos Vela playing behind Bale and and uh, and Chicho was was interesting. He certainly connected with them, but Carlos Vela, that, that's just not his position. But yes, we shape shifted everybody around. But then when things happen and we sub out Chicho, we go back to old reliable, and it's a no brainer that these boys start to play better in a system that they are more accustomed to. So the tinkering of things 
I'm not, look, I'm not a gaffer. I don't have any of the knowledge that any of these people do. I will never compare myself. I don't, I, I didn't play. I, I'm not a FIFA expert, but I will say the tinkering of, of things, I don't know. I mean, to me, it would lead me to believe that if, if it isn't broke, then, then don't break it to fix it. So we had to go shift in that formation. It was a good idea to kind of mess around with Adrian Heath and his strategies because we were a 4-3-3 kind of a team, but it didn't work at first, and then we went back to old reliable, and it should come as no surprise that we were able to score a goal and play much better. Controlling possession, having more shots, so on and so forth. Much yep. better second half. Yeah, look, it was a much better second half. Unfortunately, it can't help LAFC from falling into second place in the supporters' shield race. LAFC is now officially second in the shield race as both LAFC and Philly have played 31 matches. And Philly, not my podcast co- pod- podcast co-host partner here, uh, Philly has 63 points to LAFC's 61. In the West, however, LAFC is now 10 points ahead of Austin, but Austin does have a game in hand. If Austin loses or draws this weekend, Philly, the West is ours, and we are officially at least Let's go RSL in the West. So, yep, we're all RSL fans come this weekend. Uh, RSL, by the way, a new America. Is it this weekend first. or is it tomorrow? Uh, is it tomorrow? It might be tomorrow. Um, Hold on, let's uh, let's go to the videotape. Uh, America First Stadium or America First Arena? The yes, it's tomorrow at six fifteen. Scarf. All right, that, they'll be playing that at America First Stadium or America First Field. I forget what it's called. Uh, no it's longer, a credit union. There you go. So America no longer, First Field. Yes. No longer Rio Tinto. Up there in Salt Lake, Sandy, Utah. Did you read about? Did you read all the backlash on Twitter about that? By the way, no. You should go to RSL's uh, Twitter, and uh, I mean they're they're referring to it as you know very. um, Let's put it this way: a a lot of the uh, you know white supremacist ties to 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 that name. Now I don't know if it's really the case, but you know very. I, I, I'm not going to get into it. I'll just say, if you Thanks. want an interesting feed and read, go to RSL's Twitter, anything that says the America first thing and read all the, uh, the backlash that they're getting for that name. Oh, I didn't hear about any of that. Uh, LAFC has one more September match on the docket home against Houston on Sunday, September 8th. And then we will close out the season with two in October, Portland on the second at Portland. And we finish off against Walker Zimmerman, Hani Mukhtar, Decision day at the bank, everybody. October 9th. Three matches left, Philly, until playoffs. Playoffs? That's right. Playoffs in just three matches. Yep. Can't wait. Hope we, we need to secure these nine points, man. I mean, we're two points behind Philly, and, and Philly can't Philly can't lose. We sort of control our destiny. It's good that we didn't give up three points. Yep. But, I mean, they're, they're certainly not making it any easy for us. This Philadelphia Union machine is it's being impossible to stop. But they've also had some, you know, they're in a pretty, I don't want to say they're in a cupcake conference, but I really do believe the West is a much more difficult conference in terms of the teams played. Now, you could ask Nashville about that. Nashville was much better, with a much better record last year. Uh, and that's mainly because, well, they, they were in the East. So we're going to have two more opportunities to be at Bank of California Stadium and two more opportunities to give you pregame and postgame with 110. Playoffs are certainly around the corner. Obviously, we've clinched. And Scarf, with these, with this new Apple TV deal, with the popularity of MLS increasing, do you ever suspect that they may go back to the original way they wanted to do playoffs, meaning that there'd be a home and away leg in every round with the exception of the final? 
Obviously, with it being the way it is, anybody can go forward. Look at what RSL did last season. They made it a lot further than they were supposed to. They certainly punched well above their weight class. But with all the TV stuff and everything coming through, sponsorships and whatnot, I have a sneaky suspicion that perhaps one day we will see that home and away leg return. Look, I'm just excited I won't need to get the Minnesota United local TV package anymore after things get uh, get on over to Apple TV. Yes, Scarf, uh, that'll be for free because you are a season ticket holder. That's right. I can't wait. And, and by the way, you mentioned it earlier, no more stupid Tuesday night games, apparently, according to Apple TV. Everything will be on Wednesdays and Saturdays, so that'll be nice. Billy, episode 216, I feel like we just released 215. Uh, episode 216 now. Uh, this is, uh, it's been... It's been a thing, you know, let's let's do this again in what? Maybe five days. We'll do it again. Sounds good to me. And we'll uh, we have a busy weekend ahead of ourselves, my friend. And I wanted to remind all of y'all, if you're not doing anything Saturday night or if you're not going down to San Diego for that incredible ACFC San Diego wave game and you're looking for something to do. Come to Toyota Arena in Ontario, California. The best USA indoor soccer players are going to compete against the best Mexican indoor soccer players. And tickets are cheap. There's going to be an after party. And you're going to get to hang out with me and and Panda and Scarf and and Jonathan Reimer and so many other people have been hitting me up, uh, getting information Check it out. The tickets are dirt cheap. It's going to be a really good time. Scarf is going to be the public address announcer. So every time you hear somebody scoring a goal, it's going to be the Scarf's voice that you get to hear, which is awesome. But if you can't make it and you have the ability to watch it on Twitch, then you'll get to hear my annoying voice along with Jonathan Reimers and Pandas because she's the sideline reporter. But wait, there's more at halftime. The Ontario Fury is announcing its rebranding. That's right. They will no longer be known as the Ontario Fury after Saturday. I can't tell you what it's going to be. You're going to have to either watch the game at home on Twitch or come hang out with us at Toyota Arena. Tell me that you have a better way of spending anywhere from 10 to 50 bucks. I don't think so. If you show up, we'll even buy you a beer. How's that sound, Scarf? You mean you'll buy them a beer? I'm gonna sure. be. In, I'm gonna be in the. I'm gonna be doing the PA thing down there. You're gonna be up doing the. How are we gonna buy them a beer? We're both working. Uh, before the game, you know, the doors open at five o'clock. For those in case, uh, for those of you who were wondering, for a six p.m. kickoff. All right. So find Philly and he'll buy you a beer. Or or Jonathan. There you go. <laughs> you just roped in Jonathan for buying alcohol. I mean, his name's that's Boozology. It. Serves him right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> love you, All right, doctor. you guys, this has been episode 216. You know how much we love doing this, so we'll come back again and do it in about five days. Other than that, you know how we like to end every single episode. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.